Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. I hope you know where you are and you should know who this is. This is Tyler Chef, and I am the host of the Cashflow Guys podcast. This week, guys, let's see, where is Mike this week? Where is Mike? Mike is in the Black Hills, South Dakota, goofing off instead of being here with me podcast. And we're going to give him some grief about that next week when he's back on the show. But on all seriousness, he is uh, he's on a vacation, a short vacation. I'm coming off of my summer vacation. I was out in the West Coast and the, the the Northwest and all that for a couple months, and I am heading back to Florida. Matter of fact, I'm recording this from a little lakeside something or other on in Eufaula, Alabama, uh, in the middle of nowhere, because, you know, we had to record the podcast. I'll make sure we get the content out to you guys, and we hope you're having a great week. Well, while I've been gone, I've implemented some steps to be able to keep up with my business. Besides being a real estate investor, you guys also know that I am a real estate agent and that I sell homes in both the Tampa market, Tampa, Florida, and the Key West market. And this podcast episode topic is timely because, uh, frankly, I'm going through it right now. And you probably already know the, the, song, the name of the episode or the title of the episode, but it's Breach of Contract. And uh, I think it's a, it's a good time to talk about it. And there's always something new I take away from these incidents. Now, Granted, that said, I don't make a habit of having my clients or working with clients that breach contracts. But in this case, there's some unique uh, idiosyncrasies. And in this case, I'm representing the seller and other agents representing the buyer. And it's the buyer that's in breach of contract, not the seller. Seller was all set to close. We find out right before closing, um, the seller, the buyer held back the information about the, the fact that they lost their job. And ironically, this the buyer is a uh, an attorney. And uh, they feel that they're entitled to their earnest money, even though they violated the contract or breached the contract in several instances. So, you know, we could go back and forth and I could get into all kinds of arguments and, and bitch sessions with the other agent. We can, the, the, you know, the buyer and seller duke it out and all that stuff. And all that's unnecessary. Instead, when we have these issues, what do I do? And this is doesn't matter whether I'm a buyer or I'm acting as a seller or I'm acting as a realtor in the transaction. Um, is I reach out for the experts. And in this case, the way to solve this is we get a real estate attorney involved. Talk to the seller. Um, as a realtor in the state of Florida, I have the ability to leverage something called a legal hotline, which is a toll-free number I call somewhere in the state of Florida. And it reaches uh, an attorney that's that's works for the Florida Association of Realtors. Now, they make it clear that they don't give specific real estate advice, but I know there's a lot of new folks listening to the show that are realtors. Maybe your state has this, and it, it's a great resource, and it's a great tool. And what it does is it allows me as the realtor in the transaction to get on the phone with a board, certif or a board certified attorney that does not represent me and does not represent my client, but can give me some legal advice that I can use to help navigate the transaction without having my client needing to lawyer up. It's a great benefit for buyers and sellers. It's a great benefit for real estate agents. A lot of people forget they even have it at their fingertips, but it's very, very uh, easy to use. You literally get on the phone, you call them, you have, they ask you for your license number or your nerds number. And if you're a real estate agent, you understand what a nerds number is, but uh, you give them the information and then you explain the scenario and they give you some basic advice on, you know, how, what the possible outcomes could be, how to navigate it, that type of thing. So that's a great resource. However, as you know, as a realtor, it's not my job to give my clients legal advice because I'm not an attorney. I didn't go to law school. Instead, what I say is, hey, let's, here's what I found out from, I've, from legal hotline. It would make good sense for you to reach out to an attorney, uh, 
you know, real estate attorney. Here are some examples if you don't already have one. And uh, let's see if the attorney can work this out, especially since the buyer in this case is an attorney and the seller is not. We want to make sure that the seller has fair representation, right? You know, he wants to be, want to make sure that it's, it's an equal scenario. The seller is not an attorney, not a, not a legal expert. And apparently neither is the buyer, even though they're an attorney. But I'm kidding when I say that, but uh, half tongue in cheek. But we need to bring in someone else to help leverage this situation. And guys, there's no shame in doing that. I don't care if you're a wholesaler, a buyer, seller, a realtor, doesn't matter. You know, you don't need to be a jack of all trades, master of none. You don't need to go out there and pretend that you're an attorney. Leverage the the expertise of someone that is smarter than you in this topic. And in this case, for me, you guys know my go-to legal resource is Sean Yesner. I reached out to Sean Yesner on behalf of the seller. I had a brief con- a conversation with Sean. He backed up what the uh, Florida Association of Realtors lawyer said, talked to my client, said, you know, I've talked to Sean Yesner. Uh, if you want to go ahead and hire him, he can take this from there. Uh, and that's how we do it. And what I like about this particular attorney, Sean Yesner, is he's very practical. He doesn't get excited. He doesn't get emotional. He doesn't, you know, go in and punch people in the face. He's, he's logical. He's smart and he's swift and he's very good at what he does. In the end, nobody wants to have to strong arm another party if you don't have to. But, you know, sometimes we need people that are better than us at certain things to jump in. And that's exactly what he's doing. But you got me thinking about this episode. It's like a lot of folks think breach a contract that, you know, they repel from the ceilings and haul you away to jail or something. And that is so not the case. This is another form when a contract is breached. It, it brings us to another form of negotiation. Now, you can be a hothead and you can bark out all kinds of threats and you can do this and you can do that. But I'm here to tell you, none of that is going to help you later. Depending on your state, there are very specific rules and regulations on how uh, the, the situation plays out in Florida. It's crystal clear. Basically, if the buyer and seller don't agree, uh, either party can make a demand for the earnest money. Okay. They could say, buyer could say, I want my, I'm the count. I want to cancel the contract. I want my money back. Seller could say, I want to cancel the contract and I want to keep the earnest money deposit. And if both parties don't agree, then we basically have a, 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 we have a dispute that needs to be resolved. Next step is either party can hire an attorney or not hire an attorney. Um, they can send a letter to each other. Um, they can try to work it out amongst themselves. They can involve their realtors if their realtors can work it out. In a lot of cases, you know, I've talked to the realtor on the other side, and we can't seem to get the buyer to agree to relinquish the earnest money. So in that case, the next step is mediation. Now, in this case, what's going to happen is the attorney is going to send a letter. Uh, the seller's attorney is going to send a letter explaining to this buyer slash attorney all the different ways that they've breached the contract. Hopefully they will see logic and decide to just let the earnest money go and then move on if they're not able to close on the contract. And if they fight it, the next step after that, of course, is mediation. How mediation works is uh, to the buyer and the seller, both parties are brought in to sit down with a mediator. And, you know, depending on where you are, what court that may be done uh, in person, that may be done over Zoom, that may be done over the phone, who knows. And the mediator's job is to find a middle ground, okay? Uh, their job is to bridge the gap between buyer and seller or between the parties in the in the suit. At, at this point, really, it's not a suit. It's still just a, a mediation. And to try to come to some sort of amicable resolution. That may be, hey, let's split the earnest money equally. It may be, 
they may listen to everything and go, you know, Miss Buyer, you probably should go ahead and relinquish the earnest money because it's not the seller's fault that you didn't come through with the contract. And the whole idea behind earnest money is to compensate the seller for cases like this could go either way, but it's not binding. And the mediator doesn't tell the parties, the buyer and the seller, how things are going to play out. It's not like going in front of a judge. Instead, they're going to sit down and have, try to have a reasonable, uh, calm, cool, collected conversation. And by doing so, hopefully come to a resolution. And you know, sometimes that works and sometimes, unfortunately, it doesn't. But here's the thing you understand. When you get into mediation, that incurs a cost because mediators don't work free and how much it costs depending on where you are. It, I can tell you in Florida, it's a couple thousand dollars. Uh, I imagine in most cases that is shared by the buyer and the seller. So if the buyer's trying to keep their earnest money and the seller's trying, trying to get the earnest money, for them to go to mediation is automatically going to cost both parties more money. Uh, if the mediation's unsuccessful, and this again is in Florida, then the next step is arbitration, uh, where an arbitrator or maybe even file a lawsuit, depending on where you are in the country. Arbitration, binding arbitration is, is mentioned in the Florida real estate contract. And basically then what they do is they sit down in front of an arbitrator. An arbitrator is different than a mediator. A mediator is to try to bring the parties to a common belief. The arbitrator basically is there. I want to call it quasi judicial. They're there to make a decision. In other words, they're going to hear the claims of both sides. They're going to maybe interview them, take statements, depositions, whatever it may be. Then that arbitrator is going to sit down, look at the situation and they're going to weigh in a decision. That decision, if it's binding arbitration is binding, which means that whatever the, the arbitrator decides is how it plays out. Um, again, that doesn't necessarily mean it goes in front of a judge. Uh, it may go in front of a lay person that is an arbitrator or appointed by the court. It may be appointed to an attorney that's not party to the transaction. Every municipality is going to be a little bit different. So when you want to know more about this stuff, reach out to a real estate attorney and have the conversation about it. Um, but today I want to talk more, you know, now that we got that clear and you guys understand that, I want to talk about defining breach of contract. And here's a good example. Let's say a, a wholesaler gets something under contract. They write a purchase and sale agreement with as, and they pretend to be a buyer or they put themselves down as a buyer and or assigns and all these things, you know, Facebook lawyers think they got all the ways around it, but let's say they can't find a buyer and uh, they put down their hundred dollar earnest money and that hundred dollar earnest money, they need to kiss it goodbye. If they can't close on the deal, if they can't find a buyer, then that earnest money needs to go bye-bye because they did not keep up their end of the bargain. That's the easy way. And sometimes, guys, you got to just suck it up, buttercup. If you can't keep up with the contract, if you can't close on time, why burden the seller by dragging your feet and making this whole process take longer for them? In this case, this deal's been under contract for five months. Uh, seller did a bunch of repairs. The seller extended it another 30 days to get her finances together to close. And now we find out that she can't close. You know, you got to do something, got to do right by people in the world. Um, so, there's lots of different ways you can breach a contract. Here's an example. Let the one I just gave you, of course, the wholesaler not being able to bring a buyer and not being able to assign the contract. Um, let's say that a seller agrees to replace a roof and use a licensed contractor. Well, let's say that they didn't replace the roof. We get to the closing day and we find out, Hey, the roof's not replaced. Seller changed his mind. In that case, the seller could be accused of being in breach of contract, in which case the buyer could potentially sue for damages. Uh, which gets ugly, right? 
So the beauty of real estate agents when they do it, when they're doing what they're supposed to is they're supposed to be keeping chaps, tabs on things like our repairs getting done in a timely manner. Is the loan underwriter doing their job? Is the loan processor doing their job? Did the electrician do the repairs properly? Uh, did they get a receipt? Did they close the permit? These are things that if not done to completion could put the seller in a scenario of breach of contract. Uh, buyer not a breach in the contract. Maybe they were supposed to put earnest money down by a certain date and they didn't do that. That could be construed as a breach of contract. When there's a breach of contract, uh, it's not necessarily the end of the world and it's not always a big deal. Sometimes you can talk your way through these things. For example, earnest money. Hey, Miss Jones, you know, your earnest money was due yesterday and we don't have it. Technically, that kind of wipes the contract out. If we don't have the earnest money, is there something, some reason why you don't have it in? Oh my gosh, I forgot all about it. Let me get that taken care of today. I'm going to run a, a, do a wire transfer and get over there today. See? You don't have to go lawyer up and make a big deal about it. Instead, you have a an ethical, quick conversation, and you find out that it was an oversight. So great. Take care of it. Uh, if you can show the other side that you're really trying to do the right thing and that you're trying to be logical, it's been my experience, and I've been doing this a long time, guys, over two decades, that in most cases, people will you know realize that they're not necessarily in the right here. And that the right thing to do would be either to release the earnest money to one party or the other, or make an offer or some sort of a settlement um, to make the situation close and go away. The last thing you ever want to do, guys, whether you're a buyer, seller, realtor, wholesaler, or whatever, is to get into a big pissing match with all the people in the, in the contract. I know it's easy for me to say sitting here in a podcast, but try to do your best to keep the emotions out of it. A great way to do that is to not be having these discussions by email. Don't have these discussions by text. Pick up the phone and call the other party. If you're the realtor, pick up the phone and call the other realtor and have a good conversation. If you're the seller, talk to your agent. Have your agent uh, kind of be the middle person between the two of you and get this thing worked out. Uh, you don't have to go in swinging. A lot of times, there's just things that slip people's mind. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. You know, people make mistakes. Everybody's human, including you. Uh, so you got to make sure that you... D- look through this thing and try to figure out, hey, what's the simplest way with the least amount of drama that we can resolve this? Because once you open up that drama can, everything gets out of control and it's just no fun. And usually things go downhill from there. Keep in mind, you know, texts, uh, nasty voicemails, threats, all this stuff can be used against you later. So let's say, for example, the seller calls up the buyer and says, hey, I'm going to kidnap your dog and sell it to a cat food company if you don't follow through with this deal well how do you think that's going to look when it that recording is played for the arbitrator or for the judge in a lawsuit or for the other side's attorney you know if you do something in a transaction that that will inspire emotion and i don't mean positive emotion towards the other party or within the other party or their team their attorney whoever you're asking for trouble you're going to get backlash so don't be silly and you know don't be temporarily or permanently stupid for a temporary situation. Uh, I want, I'm saying this because I know a lot of you listen to the show are wholesalers and you guys are already kind of walking a fine line as it is as a wholesaler because you're out there representing yourself as a buyer in a lot of cases and you're not a real buyer. You're just out there trying to get under contract so you can flip the contract to somebody else. So you are already in a somewhat of an ethical dilemma on day one and you got to be careful of that type of stuff. 
you know, if you put up that earnest money, be ready to lose it if you can't follow through, if you can't get a buyer. Bottom line, guys, is, you know, it's not hard being a good person and being, being good in business. You just got to do the right thing. You know, think about it. Would I treat my grandmother like this? Would I treat my mom like this? And if the answer is no, then maybe you shouldn't be treating the seller like this or the buyer, if that's the other case in line. So guys, I hope you found value in this episode. I hope that next time when you get into these situations, if you're going to put earnest money down, understand that you need to be willing to walk away from that if for some reason you cannot perform. On the flip side of that, if you're concerned about that, then then maybe build yourself some protections in the contract that are clear, such as inspection contingencies, financing contingencies, whatnot. The financing contingency in the state of Florida generally says uh, that you have 30 days to get a seek loan approval. And if you don't seek loan approval with, or you don't get loan approval within that 30 days, then you can get out of the contract and get your earnest money back. Uh, but if it's 35 days and you know, you already have the approval and then something changes after the fact, there's a gray area there. And sometimes it's a black and white area. And in my case here, it's a black and white area. You're out. That's it. Too, too bad. So sad. The earnest money's gone. Uh, so read the contract and know what you're signing. Guys, you should not be signing any paperwork until you have read it cover to cover. You understand every bit of it. And if you don't understand what it says, that's when you get somebody like Sean Yesner on the phone. You go to Yesner Law, Y-E-S-N-E-R-L-A-W, YesnerLaw.com, and you book an appointment with him or one of the other attorneys in his firm and get some clarity on what's not clear to you so that you don't misinterpret something and make a big mistake. Guys, I'm going to leave it right there. I hope you have a great week, and I will catch up with you next time.